The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. The Lord said, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your fathers killed. So you are witnesses and consent to the deeds of your fathers, for they killed them, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God has said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be required of this generation, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it shall be required of this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak of many things, lying in wait for him to catch at something he might say. The Gospel of the Lord. So just a reminder as to who the Lord is addressing. He had that invitation to go to one of the houses of the Pharisees uh, in order to dine with them. And when he arrived, as we saw two days ago, he arrived into this trap where you had these Pharisees and these scribes or lawyers um, all pressing in around him, all watching him, and all trying to catch him out in things that he might say. And so the Lord begins eventually his rebuke of the Pharisees in an attempt to try and open up their hardened hearts. And so he has, uh, as the gospel, which the passage which precedes this, he begins with these three rebukes of the Pharisees. And at the end of those three rebukes of the Pharisees, uh, one of the scribes in what I think is the, the worst case of foot and mouth in the gospels, he says, well, hang on, by rebuking the Pharisees, you're also rebuking us. And then the Lord turns upon the scribes and the lawyers, and this is where he begins these other rebukes. And so this woe to you is not just now directed at the Pharisees, but this woe to you that begins our gospel today is now directed at the scribes and the Pharisees, the lawyers and the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are the ones, just as a reminder, who have the charge of temple worship, and you have the scribes uh, and the lawyers who are in, in charge of the law, interpretation of the law from Scripture. And so the Lord turns to them, he says, Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets. And so what happens is, is that they build these elaborate tombs of the prophets whom their fathers killed. And so it is this pretense that they have, uh, this type of pretense that where they think that they would not have killed the prophets had they been alive at the time of their fathers, that they would have been the good ones. Um, but the Lord shows that not only is this not true, but that they are worse than their fathers. Because while their fathers were guilty of killing the prophets, they will be guilty of handing the Lord himself over to death. And so the Lord says to them, so you are witnesses and consent to the deeds of your fathers. 
for they killed them and you build their tombs. But what will be required of this generation, those whom he is speaking to, is the blood of all the prophets, because all of the prophets speak of Christ. All of the prophets prefigure Christ. And while the others, while their fathers had killed the individual prophets, they will, fulfill, they will kill the one who comes whom all the prophets have spoken of. And so the blood of all the prophets in a very real sense will be required of that generation. And the Lord says, from the blood of Abel to Zechariah. And it's interesting that the Lord chooses those two out of all of the possible martyrs that he could have chosen out of the Old Testament. And one of the church fathers says it is because Abel is a shepherd and Zechariah was a priest. And so the Lord who is now the shepherd of his people and the priest of his people is the one who will perish uh, at the hands of this generation that he is addressing. And so he says, I tell you, it shall be required of this generation. And then he turns specifically. So he goes from the Pharisees, then to the Pharisees and the lawyers. Now he goes specifically to the lawyers. And he says to them, Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. And so how have they done this? It is because what they have done with the scriptures and with the law from God is they treat it in a certain sense as a dead text, that it is something that is only interpreted according to their own personal interpretations and their own personal gain. And so what we saw from before this is one of the rebukes that the Lord has for them is the way in which they pay tithes or they elevate uh, what is secondary above what is primary. And so they, one of the rebukes, the Lord says to them, Woe to you, because you pay tithes on mint and rue, and yet you forget the greater things, which is justice and the love of God. And so what they've done is they've, ele they've elevated what is secondary above what is primary and principal. Not that they should not pay tithes, but the thing is, is that they put such an emphasis on the tithes that should be paid, and you have to think that, and as some of the church fathers do, is the reason that they emphasize the paying of tithes and that they themselves are so perfect in the paying of tithes is because it benefits them that the people pay tithes. And so what they are doing is their motivation is being made manifest by the Lord, which is that they emphasize the things which benefit them and the things which actually benefit God and what they should be doing, they leave as secondary. And so that is a great danger for us also in the spiritual life. We cannot let secondary things take the place of principal and primary things. And that doesn't mean we neglect the secondary things, but that they just fill and fit into a right order in the interior. And so God and the love of God and the justice of God must always be first and primary. And all other things should be judged in that regard. And yet, where the way in which the lawyers are interpreting Scripture and applying the Scripture and the law is that they have put themselves in the primary position. The way in which they interpret seems always to be what benefits themselves and not what God initially intends by means of his law. And so they create all of these other laws, all of these other pre uh, precepts that are always secondary, and they elevate them to this primary position which they should not have. And so they are not, as the Lord says, you take away the key of knowledge. Now there's many, there's so many interpretations as to what the key of knowledge is by the church fathers, other commentators. Um, the key of knowledge, some of the church fathers say, is faith. So the key of knowledge is faith. We have to approach with faith in our hearts towards the scriptures so that we can enter into the scriptures 
and enter into the knowledge that comes to us through revelation in the scriptures. Another uh, commentator, uh, one of the church fathers, I can't remember who it was, he says that the key of knowledge is the humility of Christ, the humility of Christ. They are so astounded. They cannot reconcile this humble man whom they see present in their midst. They cannot reconcile this incarnate God, God who stands in their presence. They cannot reconcile this type of humility with God's divinity. And so there is a stumbling block in Christ, which is that because they will not humble themselves and accept the way in which God comes to them, they will not and they are not able to enter in. And then because they do not accept Christ, they actually actively then work against Christ himself. They work to stop other people from coming to the Lord and receiving this knowledge. And so that's why I think one of the better interpretations, just personally, but it's, it's that the key of knowledge is Christ himself. It is this encounter with Christ himself, the one who comes to reveal the Father, the one in whom all revelation is perfect in the incarnation. And so he is the key of knowledge. And because they will not enter in, they also hinder others and stop others from entering in. And this seems to fit even within the gospel text because immediately after this, we see that that's exactly what they do. As he went away from there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard. They began to try and provoke him to catch him out. And so you can see that they are stopping because they can see this increase in this multitude that is coming to the Lord. More and more people are being converted over to Jesus Christ, and they're doing everything that they can to stop that. And it's such a tragedy because what they are called to is the complete opposite. But they have fallen into this trap because of pride, avarice, whatever it is that is working in their hearts. They fall into the trap of working against the one for whom they were supposed to be preparing the hearts of the people to receive. And so they've fallen into this deep trap and the Lord is attempting in his mercy to call them out of this, to open their hearts by his rebukes so that maybe even through a crack of a wounded heart, he may be able to enter in by his grace and by faith and thus draw them to himself. But this is not what happens, unfortunately. And we can see another thing which is a danger here, which is that they start to unite amongst themselves in hatred. You can have different types of unity in this world as we've spoken about, a unity towards the good. And that's what the type of unity that we should have, where all of us are united in our love of the good. But there is another type of union that is also a temptation for us, which is to unite over what we consider to be an evil or what is bad. And now you might think that that is a good thing that we should do that, but we cannot unite because of what we hate. We have to unite because of what we love, because love is the only thing that endures. Hatred does not endure. And yet what these disciples, and, I mean, what these scribes and Pharisees, and we can see eventually even the civil authorities of the Herodians, all of these others start to unite and they form this union that is contrary to Christ. They form this union amongst themselves, even between Pilate and Herod at the end. They are all united against Christ. And so what happens is, we know as it comes to the Lord's passion, that eventually this union is what causes and hands the Lord over to destruction. But we need to be on the side of those who are united because of love of Christ. We love the Lord. He is the object of our love. He is the key of knowledge without whom we cannot enter in. He is the one that we should seek. 
He is the one that we hope will open our hearts, root out of our hearts, all of our own avarice and pride and things that might keep us from him and draw us to himself and then allow us in his mercy not to hinder anyone else from coming to him as well. Amen.